I'm, I'm completely sober. No weed yet. So. <laughs> Getting all the sober, Kai. I love it. I think I'm going to include that at the beginning. <laughs> it's fine. I'm, I'm a, a, a very proud pothead. I'm very proud pothead. So. But I'm looking at my mom right now. <laughs> so my mother is a teenager. She doesn't not wake up until that Welcome back, everybody. It's your host, Natalia, and I'm here for another episode of More Than a Pretty Face with poet, writer, just awesome, extraordinary voice all around, um, Kyla Lacey. Kyla, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Kyla Janae Lacey. <laughs> my mom's favorite. It's, uh, you know, it's a favorite of both of my parents. Uh, that's it. That's all I got. Are you an only child? No. <laughs> I'm, I'm the favorite of my mom, I think. But maybe not my dad. Do your siblings know that you're the favorite? My my older brother does. My older brother knows that I am. I have the same. My mother and I. My mother. My brother. My older brother and I have the same mom, and my younger brother and I have the same dad. But my older brother actually lives with my dad. Okay. Okay. So my 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 dad basically sort of raised him. And uh, for the majority of his life, so. So you think that's how he got the favorite title from your dad, not your mom? Uh, you know, it's, <laughs> it's a dad. Like, does it matter? But I took my mom to Hawaii once, so I'm good for like. Uh, it's expiring in another year. I sold her at five years on it, so, and I planned her 60th. So. Oh, so you're like I'm done. And I look just like her. I look just like her. So. Oh, see, yeah, you're good. She, you locked it. She, you I locked talk it to her every day. Yeah, it's, it's easy. <laughs> you know, it's that's my boo. That's my, <laughs> my best friend. So, um, so Kyla, I want to thank you again so much for coming on. Uh, I'm really, really excited to have you. Uh, <laughs> Um, I just want to start off with like how I came to find out about you was your incredible spoken word poem, uh, White Privilege. Um, and I don't know if that's, is that how a lot of people find you or yeah. is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of want to start there. What inspired that? Because I think like the, the kind of viralness of it now that you didn't just write this poem like this, no. you've had this for in, years. In fact, I have a sneaking suspicion that so I was looking at my senior memories literally like an hour ago and it said like you know when you write like a dope ass poem and you want all your friends to hear it I know that I wrote it in 2014 I don't mm-hmm. know if it was that poem but I have a sneaking suspicion <laughs> that it was that poem that I was talking about mm-hmm. specifically and I remember sitting on it for a long time and the first time I like sort of debuted it I was like reading from my phone in November of 2014 and then like kind of still sat on it for a long time first time I really performed it was 2016 Mm. and um the performance the initial performance that went viral viral was 2017 so uh I do that I sit on poems (laughs) (laughs) and but I think what's so interesting is like the words in it are so pertinent to today 
Yeah. And I think that's what it, it's just the content of it is so evergreen. There's nothing in it because I feel like sometimes, you know, poetry can have a can have a space and time in a moment, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and and but I what I love about white privilege is that it went kind of viral again because of the moment that yeah, we're in. This is the second time really that it went viral so each time it gets well it's kind of the third and each time it kind of builds like I remember I was like oh 600,000 views (laughs) (laughs) whoa you know I was like money like no they still ain't paying me it's fine yeah, um, no, I know uh, I think that was, that's like the weird misconception is that like I've gotten paid from like all nah nah I remember last year when it went viral I was you know like Chance the Rapper had shared it and like Buster Rhymes hit me up and like you know like it, it kind of like really made the move last year and I was like going viral and I'm like sitting in the lift crying but mm-hmm. I'm driving the lift, so it's very, <laughs> it's very odd, you know. It's very an odd thing, you know. And um, I think the hardest part is just getting recognition for your work for some reason. Um, you know, especially with Black women, there's this this uh, ease and and forgetting that you know we need to be identified. Um, I am my name is just as much important part of me as, as my artwork, mm-hmm. and so uh, you know they both are intrinsic to my identity and who I, I am as a person. And so that's kind of been one of the hardest things is like, hey, can you just, if you're going to steal my artwork, could you at least bother to, you know, say my name in, in, in my work? So I think you bring up an excellent point because the, right now I feel like there's kind of this resurgence of looking at, at black folks and seeing kind of what their contribution to society has been. And it, to me, it's really funny because these were things that I had grown up with, had heard from people that like, oh, it was a black man that invented the stoplight, but it was so-and-so that yeah. got the got the credit. And, like, you know what I mean? And so it, I think that's so important, especially in this time, that people want to use your your words but not attribute I, your name to it. I hate to say it, but the most egregious uh, committers of that particular thing have been black men. Black women credit me, even white people credit me, but black men are like, I just found this. It's fine. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of a real indication of, of how sometimes black women are viewed by black men is that we are some sort of subsidiary or some sort of compliment to them. Mm-hmm. And our contributions are not important enough to stand alone. Um, they have to, to be a compliment to somebody else or, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have anybody help me write that poem. You know, there was mm-hmm. nobody editing that poem. That was all me. And, you know, not, I mean, I didn't write the poem for a movement. I wrote the poem because that's how I felt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, listen, extremely happy with, you know, the fact that people feel touched by it and never want to even confuse the fact that, you know, that poem has, has been so good to me. And, you know, I, I love that people feel, you know, empowered by sharing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do think that it's, it's been difficult just saying, Hey, like, you know, could you, could you just, could you, you know, while you're sharing my, my voice and my body and my face, could you at least share my name? It's really not. That's, and that's, and that's yeah. it. Like, that's, that's the, that's the tea yeah. of it all. I want to bring up, cause there was, I saw a meme that was posted and I think it's so pertinent to what we were um, just talking about. And it's going to bother me if I don't get the wording exactly right. No, listen, I get it. I get it. <laughs> loving black women and loving how you profit from black women are not the same. 
Oh, absolutely. 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 Um, one of my favorite poems, uh, I was like uh, sh- showcasing it to a friend because I haven't recorded it, recorded it yet. Mm-hmm. It's called Code Switch. And I basically like oscillate between how, like what black men say and what white people say to black women and how they're so similar. And they were like, oh my God. Um, and in fact, I feel like black women like that poem more than they like white privilege, I think. They like, you see me, sis? <laughs> and I'm like, I do see you. I'm here. I am I one of you. you. <laughs> yes. I see us. That's, you know, um, I had like, I was on Aerie Spears' podcast, and, and one of the things, you know, we were talking, feminist, feminism came up, and one of the things we were talking about was, like, how I feel like um, when I talk about racism, I'm eloquent, I'm articulate, I'm smart. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when I talk about sexism, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, so I'm, I'm well-versed and, and knowledgeable when I, I'm talking about us, but I mm. don't know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about me. Mm, mm, mm. Ain't, ain't that the truth, though? Like, people yeah. will really try to tell you that you don't know oh, what you're yeah. talking about when you're talking about you as, like, a human, as a person, yeah. that you've lived in this body for some time, and they're like, mm, but, like, let's check it yeah. for a second. Like, and I'm, I, I recognize that some of my views are a bit more um, extreme than others. And, you know, I don't think they are, but I, I guess, like, for instance, I was on Tinder for about two days recently, and I was like, fuck out of here, this is terrible. <laughs> um, but one of the guys I matched with, um, I was showing something with the number nine, because number nine is my favorite number, and like, you know, birthday, whatever. Um, and I was showing him this really cool trick with the number nine. He was like, wow, that's so amazing. And he like jokingly said, will you marry me? Right, like, after he's praised my intelligence. Mm-hmm. He's like, will you marry me? And I said, yeah, you know, as long as, you know, I can wear Chuck Taylor's wedding. Uh, <laughs> you know, the kids can have... Um, all K names because his name actually ironically started with K and uh, it's a family tradition of mine and um, and then he and I said um, that I get to keep my name if, if mm-hmm. I ever get married you know that's a big thing for me and so um, he was like oh that's a no go and he said because I have ownership issues and I thought to myself in a in a, in a very very you know, delicate political time where, where black women are in the streets marching for black men to be considered equals in our society. Mm-hmm. You dare say to me you have ownership issues. Um, yeah. Well, you know, we just hear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I just said, you know, if, if my parents want to be, have a different last name, I'm sure they probably would have just left that part blank on the first different mm-hmm. but, you know. But you know, whatever, that's my business. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Karen was very methodical about picking my name. She, she, she was very methodical about the whole process. And so, you know, I, I'm appreciative of her for, for, yeah, my mom's name is Karen. Listen, man, be, you know, Karen's coming all colors. Listen, no, you know, I mean, she, she'll say it in a minute, like, don't be a Karen. You know, but, <laughs> she's, she's very uh, tongue in cheek about people that are, you know. But I th- I think that's like so important. I love I love your poetry because I and I encourage everyone to not just listen to white privilege, but to listen to your other poetry because I think I it's that. it's so good. I was like I can't. I just had um, Teresa the Songbird record an episode, and she lives down the street. Does she really? Like, honestly, she lives like twenty minutes away. Yeah. That's so funny. Um, we I- smoke weed together. <laughs> it's fine. 
she um and she's great her episode's gonna come out of it and um I and I was talking to her and it's just like I also didn't just want to like when I was preparing for her episode I didn't just want to listen to you so black you know and I and I've always been a fan of spoken word and poetry like I am that nut that somehow gets down a rabbit hole on YouTube um and before you know it, it's two in the morning and I had to wake up the next day at five but it's fine we're working on it uh, that's how it basically <laughs> ASMR videos so we all have our things you know and like yeah just chew I'm fine I'm weird I get it um and I and I was just like I and I was doing the same thing because like I'd listened to your other poetry before but I was like okay I'm gonna interview her tomorrow let's like refresh and I was just so blown away. I was like in my bed snapping and yesing hey. to like nobody is here in my apartment. My roommates are gone. Right, So it's just me acting a fool. Um, and I, I think that is something that like your poetry does. And, and Teresa the songbird. But like I think the, the poets that get me are the people that I can be by myself and I'm acting as if I'm surrounded by all the aunties hey, well, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I moved you <laughs> I, um, I have to put more videos up I'm, I'm actively working on that so I was actually supposed to have one come out yesterday but editing is mm. It's hard, man. I, I mean, like, I don't know how you, you know, produce and stuff, but I know for me, being a black woman creative, I do everything myself. No, I actually have um, team productions. Uh, the E is the three. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it was just this crazy, like, you know, he was like, hey, I love your stuff. I'd, I'd love to help you, like, produce stuff. And I was just like, okay. And then um, the live versions are produced by uh, Write About Now Poetry, mm-hmm. right, with the W. Um, and the person over that is one of my closest friends, Amir. He's, he's, uh, he's very, you know, big on amplifying black voices and, um, you know, he's this nerdy, you know, Iranian guy and he's like the (laughs) sweetest, funniest, most dad jokey person ever. And, you know, he's just, uh, like an amazing person. And so he was just like. You know, it was just, you know, right about now with Maul and Fledgling, and we're like, we're just going to put the videos out, and, you know. And they have so much stuff. They have so much content. You know, when, I'd say when White Privilege first, I remember, we're like, whoa, we got 30,000 followers on Facebook. (laughs) Now it's like 300,000. So, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm I'm very happy to be a a part of that growth and and that process, because... Um, you know, for a while, other poetry platforms that shall remain nameless um, <laughs> were kind of concentrating on more northern poets or or poets that were were diet black or mm, you know mm. weren't really hard hitting with stories about black people. And you know, Amir was like, "No, nah, this is what we're going to do. You know, we're going to amplify southern black voices," and and that's you know what has happened with right about now and i'm you know like i'm very grateful to have been part of the process and and you know all of the good that right about now really does and mm-hmm. i mean it's headed by an amazing person so you know. how did you so kind of how did you start the process of writing white privilege did you you know like was it like you felt was there an inciting incident you know or were, did you feel like i need to put this down in words kind of thing um, so a flashback of the poem, I do remember driving down the street, writing it in my head, like, oh, you know, and I, dangerous. I get it. <laughs> um, I write in my phone a lot, and, and I usually write when I am, my mind is kind of idle, so the shower, mm-hmm. uh, when nobody's here, 
uh, the car, just very weird places. Oh, I get it. I'm the same when, way. Yeah, when my brain is just kind of like, uh, <laughs> um, you know, four in the morning, just very weird times. Um, but I was, I lived in Seminole County, Florida for the majority of my life, um, at, which is where Trayvon Martin was murdered. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my childhood friends was actually George Zimmerman's teacher adjunct and was actually even a witness at the trial. Like, literally was at my house the day before. I was like, what? Um, and so I grew up in, a, in an environment where a lot of my teachers didn't like that their brightest student was their darkest student. And, mm-hmm. you know, just feeling that over time. Uh, just to kind of put it, you know, in perspective where I'm from, a girl that I went to high school with... Uh, I went to high school with a lot of Trump supporters, but one in particular was complaining about how, you know, she would have to wear a mask at Disney World, you know, and she couldn't use her, I'm sorry, it's so emotional, she couldn't use her season pass (laughs) because she didn't want to wear a mask. (laughs) And it's funny because we lived so close to Disney that like some of the the, the people I went to high school with would play the characters. Mm Mm-hmm. And so uh, one of the people who actually played Cinderella had put up a meme and it was like uh, the first part of the meme was somebody with a mask. It was like, you you know, you think you can't breathe with a mask on at Disney. And then the second part was like Chip and Dell's like, think again, you know, <laughs> um, you know, and she played, you know, Cinderella, like, you know, so she, you know, she should know. Uh, but yeah, I think that's where I grew up. I grew up where. You know, a friend of mine, friend in quotation, said to me, I love black people. I just hate niggers. And I actually have that in another poem. And this was somebody that I picked to their house, you know. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so I just grew up with a lot of people who did not understand, you know, felt like, oh, you should just go to school, get a better job, you know. But I literally grew up with somebody who um, drove his dad's Corvette to school. That was, you know, and not saying that that was the norm, but, you know, there were a couple of kids out there with Lexuses and it was their car. Uh, You know, people lived on the lake. And so I went to a pretty, you know, upper middle class, you know, school in an upper middle class area. And it was just it's just very interesting to see the dichotomy of people who've gone out and and saw better things versus, uh, you know, the people who've stayed and and haven't decided to learn anything about any other culture other than, you know, going on a vacay and where the locals are so mm-hmm. nice. Uh, so that's kind of what sparked it. You know, Seminole County is, is, is where, you know, I think Trayvon was really where so many of, of, so much awareness really started. And, you know, it was just interesting watching people somehow blame him and, and think that that was a crazy thing and it's just kind of like at a point like what point do you get to where you realize that this is this is not you know isolated incidents this is this is a real thing you know there's no reason why a, a child walking home to their their house should be accosted by a grown-ass man and he gets off for it you know mm-hmm. uh that's not self-defense mm-hmm. you know accosting somebody going to somebody after you've been told to stay in your car is not self-defense mm-hmm. and, and by, by no means mm-hmm. and so. did you feel like that was like such an impact to you to to start to start writing um you know my my first poem has was copywritten when i was 10 
and uh, so I've, I've always been writing. Mm-hmm. I, I, can't, I can't remember a time that I wasn't writing poetry. I just mm-hmm. never, never in a million years imagined mm. that it would be like this. Like, never, like, I, you know, since I was 10, you know. But um, I think for me, it was just a conglomeration of that. It was, you know, Trayvon Martin. It was, you know, watching white friends say, that's ridiculous, you know, uh, you know. He shouldn't have fought him back, you know, like, what? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just um, watching white people, you know, like, I think there was a, an issue with, you know, even just up to Freddie Gray, and the poem was written after, I mean, before Freddie Gray, but just, you know, oh, you know, black people are violent, they loot, they burn the CVS, and I was like, yes, because, uh, you know, white people never never riot uh, you know shout out to Keene State though uh, <laughs> the pumpkin riots. I actually performed at Keene State so let me let me hush my mouth but, uh, <laughs> um, you know never forget um, but yeah I just I think it was it was a call out to to like hey this, this, this shit don't make sense I, I, it's it's this is ridiculous and, and that's just how I felt when I wrote the poem it wasn't for any other thing than to call out ridiculousness and and that's generally you know I don't really like to to write for any other reason other than you know something I really really feel strongly mm-hmm. about so and I there was there were so many particular phrases that that stood out to me that just really caught me and one of them was when you talked about um having sex with somebody because they because you weren't pretty but because you were pretty because you were black yeah pretty yeah, pretty sure. for a black girl yeah yeah i've uh my first boyfriend was white i was 17 and uh he hit me for like a year uh yeah 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 and, y'all uh, can't see my face but the shock yeah. is just... yeah i mean his mom lived eight minutes away yeah his mom lived eight minutes away um I mean, growing up, I always heard you're pretty for a black girl. And I was just like, how do you think that's a compliment? Like, mm-hmm. how do you think that's a But I mean, that just kind of, or, you know, what are you mixed with? Uh, black and oppression? I'm confused. <laughs> uh, you know, like, both of my parents are black. A little collard greens thrown in there sometimes. Their parents are black, so. Um, and I think even, even just saying, you know, like, what are you mixed with? Is, is a way to justify being attracted to something that you've mm-hmm. long held a standard of being ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or uh, I've even had, you know, it's not in it where I live now because I, I live where there are tons of the blacks. <laughs> um, but when I lived in Florida, it was this weird phenomenon. Like, you know, you'd walk and you'd like, white guy'd see you and they'd go like, you know, like they, they like, huh? You know, catch themselves like wait I find her cute attracted to that like what is wrong Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah no uh, that was just like a weird thing like you know um, yeah I I definitely heard a lot growing up you're pretty for a black girl and even you know more sinister um, trying to separate me from my blackness like Mm -hmm. you know you don't talk like a black girl or like um, and it's just a way to throw me crumbs of assimilation because I knew that I wasn't I think my senior in high school, I, I realized, like, I looked out and I only saw white people. And I realized they looked out and they saw white people and then they saw me. Mm-hmm. Um, Damn raisin in the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that was, yeah, I got that that way more than than uh, 
I don't know. It was just a very weird thing to say to somebody. And I, because I've gotten that too, and it, and I've gotten that from a black man. Oh. Before, yes. And I just remember being so puzzled by the situation (laughs) that I fully just like, I didn't say anything. I just walked away because I was just so, I was just like, but the math is not mathing. (laughs) I just like, I just walked, I fully just walked away and it wasn't, and it wasn't like the idea of like, I'm, I'm scared or like anything. I was just so stunned into silence yeah. And I remember it so distinctly because I was out dancing with my friends and I was and, and I started dancing with this guy. And then he like and it's a black dude and he whispers in my ears, you're so pretty. You're actually pretty for a black girl. And I was like, so I am I just mid, like stopped in the middle of the dance floor and just walked away. I just like had no. I had no like concept of what that looked like. And I and for and for me and I think we were we were kind of talking about this earlier about you know saying that it's black men that don't always attribute your name to things um more often than not throughout high school when I would be told that I you know act white or that you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I talk white it's talk a lot proper. Of, talk proper or whatever <laughs> thank you so much listen my Virgo is showing it's properly thank you oh, so September 5th okay hello hey yes um and I just like and a lot of times those comments came from black men Mm -hmm. because for some reason it just like it it was an affront to them that I existed in a space that maybe they couldn't or maybe that they didn't yes because I I too grew up in an extremely white town yeah yeah extremely extremely white town I had a lot of white friends yeah um and you know the five black girls that were there we pretty much were all friends and it's just like I didn't really even have that I didn't even really have that and it was I mean it's just such a it's such an impact to the way in which I moved throughout my life Mm-hmm. And that's what I really love about your poetry is like you you set black as the default versus Thank you. Yes, Thank and you. I really love that. You're Thank black you. as the default. I really appreciate that. That's like a huge compliment. Um, <laughs> I'm a big big Toni Morrison fan. I love Toni Don't Morrison act like her book is sitting right next to me. Right now. <laughs> Paradise about right there. I need to read Paradise. And Beloved and Paradise right behind me. Beloved. Um, uh, okay, anyway. Uh, yeah, like, the first Toni Morrison book I read was still my favorite, The Bluest Eye. I was 17. I read mm-hmm. it. I was, like, just very upset that the book ended. I was like, oh, this is it! This is it! Uh, but Toni Morrison said, uh, basically, that, that white is the default, you know, and everybody else is hyphenated. And um, so just being able to write from a black perspective and um, and not having to apologize for it and, and not having to, you know, be sorry that I am a black woman writing about black women experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, you know, because I would say my first foray into receiving massage noir was from black boys. And and I was younger, I had really long hair. And I just remember like, it's not fair. It's not fair. Give the horses back their hair was like a chant that they would always say to me. And so I actually, yeah, I had like a lot of complex about that growing up. Um, my mom has like stupid long hair, you know, ridiculous Mm -hmm. growth, whatever. So I had that as a complex and then I, you know, turn over and have my real hair, you know, like be made fun of. And, you know, it was just, 
I was called Kyle Bird because I was tall and thin, and, <laughs> you know. Just but but, but the, the majority of of being made fun of was from black boys. Ironically, last year one of them I'm going to say his name, <laughs> Albert. Um, <laughs> he oh my god he made fun of me so badly and then like on instagram he's like i see you doing your thing i am thank you I so am. much and goodbye i am you know uh i mean granted you know that was a long time ago it was middle school but still that 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 affected me it was that that was like rough because you don't forget it you don't forget those things I feel like that's the and I'm not going to praise you for doing the bare minimum absolutely absolutely and I think that's that's something that your your words really just like resonate with me is like you you set black as the default and then you also such a compliment (laughs) I appreciate that I I mean you do and I and I I'm thinking about it because I was, um, I watched Curl Friends and that poem. And yesterday was my fifth anniversary as I sit here with straightened hair. (laughs) Yesterday was my, I was like, I I needed to do a trim. So I was like, okay, (laughs) let me sit here for hours and straighten it for no reason. Yesterday was my fifth napiversary. Napiversary, yes. I went natural my sophomore year of college and like, it was really hard for me because I, had been straightening it and I, I remember like when I wanted to go back to natural my dad was just like see I told you not to relax that hair because my dad was against me relaxing my hair from from jump and my mom like made me wait until I was 13 that it wasn't till like I was 19 20 that I transitioned back and now this is just like straightened this isn't relaxer or anything Listen, anymore you know I think I think there's so much and, and I'm writing a book that's due a couple weeks um, <laughs> but there's so much to be said about being natural as a black mm-hmm. woman that nobody really talks about it's not just you you know you wake up one day you're natural and it's it's a beautiful story after that that's just not the truth mm-mm, um, mm-mm. one of the things is god I love my mom so much but if she asked me one more time what's going on with my hair in the comfort of my own home like first of all I got food stains on my pajamas that I ain't changed in two days <laughs> leave me alone lady uh but but that's a thing right like um even just my friend like her her mom and her daughter like oh you know i had to fix her hair like she's at home like she's uh, relaxed and i think you know black girls aren't even allowed to have bad hair days at home Mm -hmm. and that's a real thing you know um you know, I, I will say, like, there's this weird, you know, sorority that you're inducted to when you first become natural. Like, hey, Slip, I see you. I see them curls, Bobby, yes. Okay, pop, pop, pop. You know, um, but, you know, not every day is an easy day. And, and you know, I think that's a that's a real thing. You know, not ev- it's expensive as well. And not every day, you know, you, you love your curls every day. And, I, and But I will say this. Uh, for me, it was, I was tired of being angry at my hair for not doing the things that it was not set up to do. Mm, mm. And, and that was the biggest thing, you know, my cousin, she was, um, you know, she was at the gym and she was trying to, you know, get herself together. And, and so, but then she like uploaded a picture of her, you know, like, Oh, I had to get these cheesesteaks. And I was like, okay. You know? And then I was like, well, um, those things don't necessarily go together, but I get it. Um, and then I said, but I, I'm over here, you know, doing something to my hair that I know is unhealthy and I want my hair to be healthy and that mm-hmm. doesn't really go together. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I was like, 
dang it, I gotta hold myself accountable. I gotta, mm-hmm. you know. And so after that, I because I tried to go before, and I was like, I made it a couple weeks. So I said, if I can make twelve weeks, I I can't go back. This shit happened to fall out. So. <laughs> and it's hard it is really it is really hard to dream and I think that's like it's another that's another way of transitioning to the default and and like because our the default is that our hair is curly and nappy and you know coarse I got that 4c hair I literally have 3c to 4c and people are like what and they're like oh I see it and I'm like yes so Oscar and Karen up there is <laughs> parents. You know, it's their creation up there. It's four C right in the middle. Back is three C. The, mm-hmm. the sides are this weird, you know, I love Hasidic Jew in the sides. <laughs> you know, the, my widow peak is four C, mm-hmm. the rest is four A. It's so it's complicated. Your curls are complicated and they hold they, they are. hold they hold but, so much. But I, I thought about this yesterday. I said, you know, there's something to be said about having curly, kinky hair. There's something to, to be said about your own hair being a product of individualism, you know, versus every strand kind of just doing its own thing and just mm-hmm. laying in there and, you know, being uniform. Um, all of, you know, different sections of my hair are different, you know, and, and each curl just kind of decides it's going to do its own thing and live its best life. And mm-hmm. You know, so there's something to be said about that, you know, the uniqueness and the fact that, you know, no two curls are really alike. Mm-hmm. And is that kind of what inspired you to write Curl Friends? Uh, I wrote Curl Friends in 2015. Mm-hmm. I remember where I was. I was living with uh, this other poet and mm-hmm. um, I just remember being very excited about being able to wear a bobby pin. And I was like, oh, shit, bitch is, you know, like very, <laughs> very excited about this Bobby Penn situation. And I was just like, I'm going to write, you know, like, I, yeah. And I, I think one of the things about my writing process is like, um, I don't necessarily sit down to commission to write a poem. Mm, I mm. write a line and the line will come to me. It's, you know, I'm not a very religious person, but sometimes I feel like it's divine. The line will just kind of, hey. And I'm like, huh? And then, you know, I sit down and that's what comes out. It's usually a line for it. It's not necessarily a concept. Mm-hmm. So um, I would say if I had to guess, if I had to remember that my curls are kinky, they love to get wet, came out. And then just the rest of it came out. Um, I think that was really the situation with white privilege. I, I was a foreign language major in college. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was just like, I remember in high school, I took French, German and Latin in high school and there was nothing there was other than Spanish but there was no languages that were representative of of who I was of who mm-hmm. I even though I didn't know them you know there was no yeah, there was nothing for me to draw from that was, was similar to something that I could mostly identify with uh, and it's interesting one of the things about this virality internet fame is the asks that people have or the um the rude things that people say to you mm-hmm. and i am known from a clapback so i'm always like but one of the things was somebody was like came and was like you're stupid you don't even know swahili and i said would you like to teach me some i said it wasn't available and so they you know they taught me how to say hello but it was just like you know you're not real african you know, you, you do realize I had nothing to do with how, how I got here. I, 
had nothing. I to showed do. up. I truly. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, uh. <laughs> but yeah, that was just kind of like uh, an interesting turn, you know. Like, hey, you know, I didn't, I didn't write this for you to be an asshole to me. I don't, I don't know if you realize that. I, I'm over here living my best life, you know. So, and that so. trend, that actually is like a perfect segue into like the other poem I wanted to to talk to you about, which is um, I don't owe you shit. Yeah. And I was like, you have that one line, and once again, I don't want to get it, so I took a screenshot. No, go um, ahead, go ahead. I said, and I don't want to talk to you face to face. Why would I consider conversation with you in my free time? No free roaming, time, rollover, daytime roll, minutes. Rollover, daytime minutes. And I, I lost it once again by myself in my bed, minding my. <laughs> I just want, I want to like deconstruct that because I feel like there is. Once again, you're setting blackness as the default because you 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 position us in a way to to ensure that we don't owe you anything. We don't owe you our time. We're not going to be grateful because that you happen to, you know, pay us or throw us a little bit of attention. And I I don't know that just you speak. It's your poem. (laughs) You know, it's funny that poem too. I performed that one in college is like, you know, I think it's a really universal poem. I think. You know, even being black is the default, as you say. I, I, my poems still resonate, and I feel like, for en- if anything, you know, it's a privilege that I can make black stories mm-hmm. the mainstream, not just black music, mm-hmm. not just black culture or dress or slang, but black stories um, are, are universal stories. Um, but I remember, I remember where I was, I was, it was, it was probably five years ago, it was July, I'd say July mm-hmm. 2015, and um, I, when I was in college, I was dating a very, very nasty, abusive person, and he had this homeboy, and um, his homeboy was kind of rude, and then, you know, this was in Florida, and I live in a different state now, and so when I saw I happened to randomly see the homeboy. I happened to randomly see him. And he was like, oh, you know, let me take you out. And I was like, I love free food. That is actually my favorite food. That is my love language. Thank you so much. Uh, (laughs) And so he took me out to Chili's, you know, for the two for one. (laughs) That two for one really has been around for a minute. (laughs) And so, um, he was like, oh, you used to be such a nice girl. You know, you used to be so sweet. I was like, mm, no, not really sweet anymore. He's like, why? And I was like, well, because, you know, men happen to invade your body and your space and usurp it and, and don't treat you like you're a human and don't ever, you know, like, understand when you, hey, get off me, you know. Mm-hmm. Just, but I was basically talking about just like, you know, men touch you and make you uncomfortable and they don't even have any regard for the fact that it makes you feel a certain way. Oh man, that's crazy! Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we're saying goodbye, he hugs me and caresses my ass. Now I don't have any boobs, but I do have a semi-bright future behind me. Uh, you know, and so um, you know, and so um, yeah, he like caresses my ass, and I was just like, you literally just talked about this we literally just talked about this and so um yeah this was before insecure came out but i remember 
I was in the mirror. I think this was before the insecure thing. I was in the mirror like, because he was like, oh, now you got to take me out. Now you owe me. And I was like, I don't owe you shit. <laughs> and that literally, and I wrote that poem, which is funny because I'm always forgetting that poem. <laughs> in like two hours. Mm. I was up fucking set when I wrote that poem. I was like, ah! <laughs> I owe you dinner? Get out of here! I barely owe you my time. I barely owe you a high. You asked me out. Yeah. I made myself I, available. I think we have to normalize the first no, accepting the first no. Mm hmm. Um, I think, you know, I need you to say no. Have you, have you tried? Have you met y'all? Y'all don't really take no for an answer. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think that's just an interesting thing. But yeah, I was, I was real, I was in my feelings when I wrote, I don't owe you shit. I was just like, Y'all gonna leave me alone. <laughs> Y'all gonna take this first note. <laughs> and I think there is kind of, I, I think at least for, for black women, there is this idea, you know, this narrative out there that we are so strong that we can do anything that we... I'm you a marshmallow. <laughs> I am a marshmallow. I, am, I have a tough exterior, don't get me wrong. I, I'll curse somebody out in a minute, but, like, interpersonally, I'm... <laughs> Like why? How you said the word the? I am, you don't understand. <laughs> and it's and it's real. And I think like this. So yes, it's like people tell you to just say no, you know. But it is hard, especially I think in some cases for Black women, especially saying no to our community and our boundaries and 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 what that looks like because I, I think about I think about my own parents and like I come from Caribbean immigrant household you know like no is just another two-letter word it doesn't have any weight or meaning they knock and then come into the room there's no waiting to see if I'm busy if I'm doing something that you know and I and I think about I think about that in terms of of saying no is just so easy as if establishing boundaries within our community is so easy because there's the not it's It's not the default is to be down for everything Mm -hmm. because we're supposed to be strong versus valuing our boundaries I when I took my mom to Hawaii um there was this guy who was like clearly interested and I wasn't, you know, and so I was like, you know, I'm sorry I got a boyfriend. I ain't have a boyfriend, but for some reason, you know, that sometimes works. So then, you know, he was like, well, you know, in my face, whatever. I was, okay, whatever. And so then I remember one morning I woke up early to move the car. Uh, and he was outside and I had, I had a hat fro so you know the fro was was not ready for to be revealed and I had a hat on and he saw me and he was like oh what's under here and he like flicked my hat and I was like don't do that bro don't do that so then I want to say later that day we were going to the beach and this is like the third time that I'd like seen him or whatever and so my mother and I were going to the beach and he was like talking to somebody and so mom was like oh hey Chris how you doing I was like mom we ain't friends. Like, leave him alone. Like, he was talking to somebody. Like, so he stops talking to the girl and comes and walks over and was like, oh, she looks especially radiant today. Do you think it's because I'm here? And my mom's like, no, she's always like that. I'm like, you tell him, mom. You tell him. <laughs> and so, um, so then he starts touching my hair. And I was like, don't, don't touch my hair. Oh, wow. We friends. I said, I don't know you. Don't touch my hair. So then he does it again. I said, don't touch my hair. 
So he was like, oh, you know, this is the third time we met. We friends. Listen. And so he did it again. I went the off. I'm in the middle of the street in Honolulu. Like, leave me alone, you know? And so my, like, my mom's like, you know, she was like, oh, you mad now. You mad, huh? She's fine. She's no, the fuck I'm not, mom. <laughs> leave me. Like, I was very serious. And so afterwards, because my mom, I think it was just even the socialization mm-hmm. of you know, her generation. Like, we're just going to smooth this over. And I, and I told my mom, I said, listen, don't you ever, I love my mom. I said, but don't you ever try to make somebody feel comfortable about making me uncomfortable. Mm, mm, mm. Well, you should have kicked in the balls. You're right, my seat. Get it together, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's where, like, this angry black woman kind of idea comes from because we have to say no multiple times and so when i find when we get that to that fifth no we are upset i'm I'm tired i'm tired (laughs) um i was at i was at the grocery store last year it was kind of like uh it was like raining or something i was coming out of the grocery store and this guy was like oh um take me with you and i was like nah my cats are allergic to people sorry and so, um, you know, he was like, oh, so he was like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. Are you taking? I said, yep. He said, what does that mean? I said, I'm taking my time away from people. Well. And so he was like, uh, oh, well, you know, like we could be friends. I said, sir, I am legitimately not dating anybody. I don't want to date anybody. I, please leave me alone. I got we friends. We can get to know each other. I said, I'm trying to get to know me. Please, I don't. We could do that. I don't want to do that, sir. I don't want to do that. So. I walked away from my car because I thought my car was parked somewhere it wasn't. So I'm still trying to, so now I'm trapped in between him, the park, you know, and this other car. So this black woman walks up and she looks at me like, sis, you good? So I initially was like, oh, you know, whatever, but he's still like, I'm like, sir, I'm not interested. Do you know this mother father popped me on my arm like I was a child? Like, pay attention. And I, oh, at this point, I'm, yeah. So at this point, I literally had to scream, leave me alone. Yeah, and it, it shouldn't have come down to that, you know. And I was just like, why would you even want to date somebody who you got to beg and grovel to be around? Like, get out of here. My like, question is, my question has always been, how many phone numbers do you really get hollering at somebody from a car window? I mean, you know, and, and for me, I was going through a rough depression. I just really wanted to be left alone. I really wanted to, you know, I was grieving my cousin's death. You know, I was grieving, you know, a heartbreak. I, I was just having a really rough time and I said I don't want to be around anybody I want mm-hmm. to be better and it was just like you know forget what you need you know ma'am that I need something from like uh and it's, it's a terrible thing to say but like I get you know can you post this and people don't follow me and I was like am I a bad person for like me? my mom said no I was like no <laughs> I was like you know what you right mom <laughs> And I think that that is also the nature of being a creative in this yeah. space is is because people are constantly asking as someone who asked you for something. Um, <laughs> no, but, I mean, you know, some people I've turned down because I was just kind of like, I'm exhausted. You know, like I was supposed to do this festival yesterday. He's like, oh, you know, you know, she wanted you, you know, we heard you were interested. I was like, I, I don't even know what this is, sir. I just... And I was just kind of like, I'm tired. I just don't want to, you know, and I, that's a horrible thing to say, but I just, it's a lot, you know, it's, it's, definitely, you know, every day somebody is, is, and sometimes I just don't feel compelled to do it. And, you know, I just have to reserve my peace, you know, I'm, I'm okay with, with saying no sometimes, you know, I just have to. And I think that's such an important lesson. And I'm glad you brought it up because I think we are so often, 
you know, we we don't always know when the next opportunity is going to come. So mm-hmm. we feel the need to say yes, yes to everything because we're like, well, if I say no now, that means nothing's going to come. And I think or that is difficult. Of, I don't want to look like a mean person. I mm-hmm. think, you know, black women are so socialized to to not be sometimes the stereotypical angry black woman. And one of my friends said they don't think of you anyway, so you might as well stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. And then, yeah, and then shortly thereafter, I curse up this couple in Boston for being racist. <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. It's it was all about fine. balance is what. <laughs> it's, it's fine, it's fine. They were very rude. <laughs> they didn't expect me to... The, to come at I, them. That's one of the things, too. I think that's one of the things is there is this expectation from white people as well as black men is I fit a certain archetype aesthetically that they feel like I shouldn't, I should just roll with the punches. And I'm mm-hmm. like, nah, you're not finna, you're not finna talk to me this way. You're not finna interrupt me. Lady at Target, I was talking to an associate. I have a quick question. I don't care. It's, it's, I, it's, it's real quick. I don't care lady I'm talking you know and and uh I I, yeah I don't know and I don't know if if I don't know I don't know if I set people black women back or if I I, I push them for it when I'm I'm you know asserting myself but I I hope it is is the latter I think I I mean because because I see so much of myself in your poems even if it's even if it's not just like I've had this exact experience but it's um but it's like that storytelling aspect you you are such a profound storyteller in your poetry is what I is what I really love like I was just um what was it two weeks ago I was watching um my boyfriend ain't got a girlfriend Mm -hmm. and I heard like sitting across from the person that that poem was about when I was writing it <laughs> so listen, this is about City. you. <laughs> yeah, no, I was in a bar in New York City where my ex moved to, and I was uh, we were just sitting there, and I was like, hmm, gonna, gonna write this poem. <laughs> and I feel like that, and and while I haven't had all the exact experiences like in that poem, there was something so resonant about it because words that you were saying were like oh I've heard that from friends I've I've seen mm-hmm. that happen in family members I've you know I was like oh this is how I feel sometimes and I think what was what got me the overall like aesthetic of it was this idea that men can sometimes or any romantic partner any men intersex non-binary whatever can sometimes um put you in a place in a relationship of some sort that isn't stagnation yeah it's not it's not quite a romantic relationship but it's definitely more than a friendship mm-hmm. and it's it's that weird in between but they don't want to commit all the way to whatever it is it's you're kind of used yeah. as like that buffer you're that you're that comfortable friend that they can kind of use when it's necessary for them yeah, and I, I understood that the his trepidation in a, in a way more intimate way than I probably want to talk about. But mm-hmm. um, and I understood the reason. Uh, I didn't necessarily agree with the reason. Uh, you know, there is it was a slight age difference, and so it was kind of like ah, you know, I'm in my twenties, I'm I'm young and free, and want to give all the girls my balls. You know, and it was like, uh, but I love you. I hate that I do. I don't like that I like you. And I was just like, okay. 
Sounds like a personal problem. Um, okay. And so, um, yeah, I, I understood it in, in that perspective, but it didn't necessarily make it any easier. It was just mm-hmm. kind of like, I I love you, and uh, it sucks that I love you, and, you know, here we are. And I, I just, I love the storytelling in, in your poetry. I mean, did you, because I, I feel like there there can sometimes be multiple different kinds of poets, and I feel like your poetry is very much storytelling. Um, did it start off that way, or were you before maybe kind of writing about, like, one idea or one topic versus telling a narrative? Hmm. I think... Uh, I was looking at my poetry, and when I was younger, like, my very first poem... It's called The World, and it was a, a social commentary, and it was like, the world, all the abuse, all the neglect. At all 10? The, yeah, I was 10 years old. Oh, okay. I remember that. Yeah, I was like, get this kid a Snickers. Like, she's super emo, right? Um, I think when I started writing as an adult, it was like a lot of love poems, and just very, oh, I love you, I miss you. And then I started writing about social commentary, and I just really a great experience of writing what I felt and saw you know it wasn't a matter of oh I should write about this or it was just this is the moment this is it let me grab mm-hmm. it like and sometimes I'll like I'll let the moment you know walk off and then I'm like I'll catch I'll, I'll get you later <laughs> you know I'll come back but um I've always just kind of tried to write about what I felt in the moment you know and so a lot of my poems are very like even if I've ruminated on them for a long time, they were things that I felt very strongly about at some point, uh, you know, uh, that was really how all of my poems have been. You know, these are things I feel very strongly about. And I am very honored that I could at least express myself in a spectrum way where I know some poets aren't necessarily able to talk about multiple different things or or be spectrumed and, and have like, you know, either black pain poems or love poems. I, I have, I think, an array of, you know, even with my love poems, they, they're spectrumed, you know. Mm-hmm. Who do you so. think you're writing for? You know, do you try Myself. to... Yourself. Mm. Mm-hmm. So is Myself. that, that's your number one audience? You're never like... That's my, that's, that's my number one. And then everybody else is number two. I, because I feel like if I'm not writing something that I would love, then why am I writing it? Mm, mm, mm. Um, I think a lot of poets get caught up in the cleverness of their poetry and not the vulnerability of their poetry Mm. I always want to write the things that I'm afraid to say out loud in my darkest hour the things that I think I always want to write those things I always want to and I'm a very very honest person and sometimes that gets me in trouble but um (laughs) I always, you know, like, there's some poets like, oh, they finna love this shit. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, I'm finna love this shit. You know, mm-hmm. I am I am my best hype man, you know, like, but I, I always want to write something that I feel very, very firmly about. And mm-hmm. so I am always my number one artist. I mean, my number one audience member. Do you, do you think that, like, I'm not, I, I'm sorry for being ignorant in this, no, in this, uh, but is 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 white privilege the poem that you've had go, go the most viral yes absolutely do you think it's your best no. poem mm, no. Mm. 
I think it's one of my best. I think Code Switch is probably my best poem. Mm. Code Switch is probably my best. Um, I have a poem similar to White Privilege called Trophies. It's much shorter. It's more of an allegory. Uh, that's a really good poem. That one is the one that's supposed to come out too soon. And then I have a poem, Depression is a House, that I really love. But I, I would say Code Switch might be might be my best piece. Code Switch, uh, that's one I, I definitely need to get on wax. But Code Switch is the one I was saying how like black people, black men and, and white people... I think that that one is the hardest one I've ever had to learn. Mm. Uh, I wrote that one 2015 or 16, 16 mm-hmm. I think. And that <laughs> one took years to learn. I mean, because I'm literally oscillating back and forth with different voices, mm. uh, saying similar things. And so it took a very long time to, to learn that one. Do okay. you, when you're writing the poem, does it, do you write it and hear it in your head on how you would say it, or do you just kind of oh, write? It's in my head first. It's in my mm. head first. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, my writing process is very uh, read out loud. Uh, uh, you know, follow along with your finger. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, but no, I, I actually that's why I create best when I'm at home by myself because, uh, especially initially on, it was like I would say the line and then mm-hmm. it would kind of come out, and then sometimes I can put it back. And, and, and translate it over the phone, you know, via, you know, my notes. And that's how I write my mm-hmm. poems. But, um, yeah, a lot of the, the lines of, like, I have this poem, Someone Killed the Black Woman. And that was a line that I was saying out loud. So it was like, somebody killed the black woman, left her out in the sun, the American sun to roast, or something like that. Mm. Uh, yeah. Is Someone that your... Left... Yeah, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's, a long, it's an old poem. Do you have like a do you have a favorite set of words that you've put together in your career that have kind of like you're like, ooh, if I could just put these on repeat, you know? Um, I have different lines from different poems. I'm like, yeah, you were writing right. <laughs> um like I said, trophies slash that that poem has like 13 different names. That poem, I love the writing in that poem. Uh, and one of my favorites, the breakup. Mm, uh, mm. I say other girls don't feel you the way that I do, so why should they get to feel you the way that I do? A word, a um, word. I have a poem, I miss you, and it says, do you know the difficulty in trying not to think about if someone is not thinking about you? Mm, mm. Uh, let's see. <sighs> I'm trying to think. White privilege has a lot of lines. So I'm not going to lie. privilege is like bars. You know, it's, uh, I'm not going to lie. But the Columbusing line is is one of my favorites um, in um, white privilege. No, yeah. Um, y'all, you're not racist because you don't use the N-word, but y'all use niggas every day. Mm, that one also. I felt that in my spirit. Um, no, I, and some of these, ironically, some of these things were Facebook statuses that transformed into a poem even the manual the manual was a complete Facebook spread. the whole oh. was a, a, a Facebook status and somebody say oh can I make this in a poem bitch what <laughs> like get out of here if anybody's gonna make my words for a poem <laughs> it's gonna be this poem like get out of here <laughs> uh, somebody really asked me that I was like can I take the words that you've already written down and then put my name in the byline like I am a pretty good poet so uh, I got this 
uh, you know, I didn't want to say no offense, but I'm better than you, but you know, um, <laughs> no, uh, let me see. Um, I think Code Switch, I would, I love the way it's written the most, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I'd say the bars and white privilege, white privilege does have some bars. It does, it does. It has some, like, okay. Bars. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. It's really, really good. Yeah. Um, you're not, uh, um, white people, Black white privilege is saying that black people destroy neighborhoods for forgetting that white people destroy continents. That was the Facebook status as well. Mm. Um, and in um, somebody brought this up recently when you see your memories and um, like what is and I don't know you shit the line where I say you know men complain about the friend zone but when you tell me you have a boyfriend that's the first place they ask to go. That was a Facebook status as well. Um, Ooh, you know, the fire lines. I'm just like mm. we can be friends. No, we can't get out of here. <laughs> Jesus is my homeboy. That's we're what- good. <laughs> we're here. Um, where has your poetry taken you? Like, what do you say is kind of like the biggest, or or your writing in general? Because I know that you you also write for the Grio and Rude, and so where has your writing you know taken you? That you were just like they want me, they want to hold me. Um. So. I don't even want to admit this out loud because it's so terrible. <laughs> I was supposed to have the poem on the BET Awards, but I did not email the confirmation back in time. Girl. Yeah, yeah. I, I took a long bath and did a lot of weed that day. I was very sad. <laughs> I, was, I had no one to blame but Kyla. No. Um, a, yeah. A, a few, lit- a, like, a literary agent or two has contacted me. A really, um... A, 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 a growing production company with a tie to a, a pretty famous person has contacted me really recently. Um, and to be honest, um, I would love to continue writing, but I don't necessarily know if I would love to continue writing poetry. Mm, mm. Um, in a conventional sense, I know that I'm kind of probably how do I say this without sounding like myself um, <laughs> I'm kind of like past the the, the slam world mm-hmm. in, in some ways like you know the, the poets are going crazy on Facebook right now they're like having all these weird battles and like calling each other out and somebody tagged me to it and I was just like you know this is not I for me meetings today so I don't have the time for this you know <laughs> minutia I don't have it in me today um I would love to continue writing um I actually because I've performed at over 200 colleges before white privilege was was really big I've been Mm -hmm. performing at colleges um you know I think the biggest thing though I would say is is having my words used on posters in different countries that's crazy that mm. is, I actually have a picture of it downstairs, but that has been the craziest thing for me. Is like, what? Oh, you uh, found so me, yeah. Literally every single continent where humans in, you know inhabit, you know, I've I've had contact from people like mm-hmm. sending you love from India, sending you love from Australia, like you know, sending you love from a country that nobody knows about. You know, I'm sending you love. You know, I'm like, okay, hey, 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 you know, receiving, receiving. Um, but I would like to write for television or um, large media 
Um, I love performing. I love performing. And in, in some ways I've, you know, done comedy at colleges and, mm-hmm. and my, my set is, is a, is a pretty 70, 30 split of, mm. you know, and, uh, so I enjoy that. I enjoy performing and I enjoy writing funny things. I, I think that, I think that's one of the things that people are kind of surprised is like, I have a really big sense of humor and they're like, this She's like, you know, especially my stories. I don't really do it on my my Instagram page, but my mm-hmm. stories are always filled with me being ridiculous. And uh, they are. They make me chuckle. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm just, you know, I don't know if you saw me just trying to straighten my hair. I was like, fuck this shit. Like, you know, you saw my Felicia braids. And I was like, you know, I mean, I'm here. You know, it's it's a pandemic. Like, enjoy the laugh. You know, it's. Do you feel like there's ever been a poem that's like. I don't know if gotten you in trouble is the right word, but like you were, (laughs) you've had backlash from all of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even my boyfriend ain't got a girlfriend. Somebody Mm -hmm. spent more time. Like she was like, I didn't even watch it to the end. And I was like, you, 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 you've been commenting on my poem for weeks. Like at this point I owe you money, you know, uh, cause thank you. (laughs) You spent way more time commenting on a poem that you didn't even fully watch. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know the logic in that. I, I don't, but thank you. You're, you're, listen, at this point, I should pay you. Um, <laughs> unfertility. Somebody was like, this is slut shaming. I was like, well, I'm a slut. So I wrote it. So get out of my face. You know, like, uh, and, and, and that poem was, was a very personal poem. Uh, and that one didn't age well, but I think the, you know, cause that one was like about, you know, how mother nature has, you know, she kind of gives babies to women that don't want them and then women that do want them can't have babies and it didn't really age well, but mm-hmm. at the time it was, it was pretty, you know, that one has, you know, I would say is the only one that didn't really age well out mm-hmm. of all of my poems. Uh, white privilege, you know, you're a racist, you're the real racist, so are you the fake one? I'm confused. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you hate people, white people. Uh, I, Barb, I don't even know you. I literally said this one, I was like, she was like, you know, you said this and this and you hate Republicans. I never even said the word Republicans in the poem at all. What poem are you listening to? Because <laughs> um, it wasn't me. I do think that people project um, onto you their insecurities about my work. Mm-hmm. I think, onto me. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Um and I have to realize that I am a person who generally operates out of a lot of honesty with myself and with others. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times I have to remember that, you know, not every viewer is operating out of that. Not every mm. viewer is is willing to say, you know, A to B, you know, is 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 the, the shortest route, you know. So um, I'm trying to think. Nothing. I mean, I you know, you work for yourself, so it ain't like you know I can get fired. You know, <laughs> my boss is a bitch, but you know, he ain't firing me anytime Because so. we gotta eat still. Yeah, so. yeah, uh, yeah. But I, I think that's you know, I think you know people have always even the ones that are easy to love. Like it's it's hard to to like really be you know terrible about my boyfriend ain't got a girlfriend, but somehow people managed. You know, it's just like okay, you know, like. uh say I don't owe you shit she sounds angry you know okay well maybe I was I don't I was angry when I wrote that you know you know you you can insert expletive here um yeah so they all kind of have had this 
you know, really weird interaction. Uh, Tiger Woods, you hate white people. You hate interracial couples. No, I don't. It's literally not what I said. And Tiger Woods was the poem I was thinking of when I asked you that question. Because I was like, oh, I feel like that would probably hit people. That that big uh, of a poem. Anyway, in comparison to some of the other ones in my catalog, but I actually like that one. I, I do. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it was it was it was a poem that I appreciated at the time. It's in in terms of my catalog, it's not it's not one of my timeless hits. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that one was a you know. It's, that's not one I would perform at the colleges. <laughs> <laughs> so my last question that I ask all my guests um, okay. is: How do you define being a woman or womanhood? Ooh. Hmm. I think womanhood is extremely scrutinized, and I'm not necessarily sure I have a good answer on the definition of what womanhood looks like as a woman who has been made fun of for you know I don't have big boobs I have an A cup you know and and, you know feeling feminine in in my body and you know feeling like it's okay you know there's nothing wrong with having small breasts Um, you know just there's always an attack on how feminine you are you know even when I cut my my hair off I have this terrible joke terrible joke but I always talk about like you know when I had like little fro and I had, like no boobs and you know like having sex like you sure you like girls like you know like okay <laughs> all right all right you know I'm gonna you know, that's a horrible thing but you get the imagery like you know like you know sussing out my afro before I have sex and just weird stuff like that. Um, I think my father made me an accidental feminist because he's a, a, a complete misogynist. But mm. you know, at seven years old, I was you know working a hammer and. Uh, climbing ladders and just doing unconventional stuff as as a kid like this ceiling fan that you see behind you I actually installed that I installed the TV uh, that's on the swivel okay. I installed another ceiling fan I did all this painting uh, so and that's one of the things like uh, you know just even how like I went to the grocery I went to Lowe's and I was just like hey you know I need to install this dimmer and the other ceiling fan downstairs took me a long time to install. And so I was like, you know, it took me a long time to install. Um, how long is this dimmer going to take? Cause I don't want to spend all day doing this. And so my cousin was standing a few feet behind me and my cousin was like, not even into the conversation. He was behind the car. So the guy looks at me and says, okay, but who installed the ceiling fan? I just told you I installed the ceiling fan. <laughs> and what the fuck does that have to do with anything? I just told you. Mowing my lawn big lawn meat man comes by you mowing on this lawn by yourself look both ways do you see anybody sir <laughs> do you see anybody else there's nobody here sir and go sell your meat somewhere else sir um, <laughs> I'm a semi-vegetarian you can do nothing for me um, but yeah I think that's there's this this intense need to pigeonhole what 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 womanhood looks like um Mm -hmm. i'm not this shrinking violet but i i do enjoy the company of of an i think for me like a good relationship is not about physical support it's about emotional support Mm. it's about some days i'm tired of dealing with shit like some days i just you know um you know my best relationship wasn't was was with somebody who really didn't have any money and it was just because he knew how to you know, talk me down from the ledge. Like, I'm just, I'm just, yeah. It's okay. Relax. Calm down. 
you know, it's it's fine, you know. Okay, I'm gonna be okay, okay. And so, I mean, I'm for me, that's that's it. Like, I can climb a ladder and and paint my whole house, and sometimes cry, you know, afterwards. And and I think it's all of those things are okay. I'm I'm allowed to do all those things. I'm allowed to build and and with my hands as well as with my heart. I'm allowed to do all those mm-hmm. things with my my feminism and my femininity. I love that. I love Thank your you. answer. Thank you. I love all the answers that come. I'm so glad always... I said yes because I'm like oh, I'm tired. It's Saturday morning. <laughs> I'm so glad I said yes. Yay! I'm so glad you said yes. Um, do you have anything to shout out, promote, give kudos um, to? Instagram, Kyla J Lacy K Y L A J L A C E Y. My Facebook. Uh, I can't add any more friends, but you're more than welcome. I have like a ton of followers. Uh, my Facebook be, be popping too. Kyla, K Y L A, Janae, J E N E E, like Renee with a J, Lacey. Um, I have a book, a tongue in cheek book of feminism. It's kind of like a la um, Go the Fuck Asleep. It's called um, Hickory Dickory Dock. I Do Not Want Your Cock. Uh, this is like a little, you know, small book that I put together. And then I'm coming out with a real book soon. So that'll probably be in the next six months or so, that real book. You know, because it's going through a real publisher and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> Look at you out here. Yeah, I can't believe it's like, yeah, it's like, it's we're the second half of the year now. Whoa! We're, this has been the longest and shortest year ever. How's that work? Corona? Yes. yes. I had all the thought dreams this summer. All of them. I was like, what happened to outside? No, I had, I was, I was like, mm, gotta go to brunch, gotta take all the Instagram photos of me and my food. <laughs> Look, I'm making a smoothie. You know, like, <laughs> but now we inside. Nah, nah, now I'm like, look, I made my bed. Sometimes. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's definitely not made right now, so. Honestly, same. Uh, <laughs> Kyla, thank you so, so much. I can't I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show. It's been such thank a joy. Oh, my gosh. Thanks for coming on. This was just so great. Thank um, you. Oh, guys. She's such a treat and a dream. Just go follow everything that she does. Oh my god! Oh my god! You're so crazy. Um, Everything that you mentioned will be linked in the show notes. Um, And if y'all want to connect with the show, and please do, go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Pretty Face Lady Three, and then go ahead and like us on Facebook at More Than a Pretty Face. If you'd like to email the show because you want to say hi, you'd like to be on the show, you know someone that can be on the show. uh, Please email us at. Uh, pretty face women at mtapfpodcast.com and talk to you soon. Bye-bye.